0: Now, I want to dive into the the message today. Again, we have been in the series, Anchored Soul. And this thought came to me uh, through this summer when I was really quarantined. I was just sitting and asking God. I was in my bedroom for 12, 13 days And uh, I said, God, what are we going to do for this fall semester? How how do I get your people moving forward in their lives? And this scripture came across my path. It's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I believe as Christians that we don't have to drift, we don't have to get lost, though all these things are happening in society that seem to cause us to move away from where God wants us. I believe that God has got some anchors, some things that we can really stand on and hold on to and and really grab our lives and wrap our lives around that will hold us through the storm, will weather the storm, so that no matter what happens that we don't have to drift. We don't have to fall away, but we stay anchored to God and His truth. So that this, this is this is the really, the point is the world would look at us and say, there is something different about you. I know there's a storm. I know things are happening, but you seem to be held steady. What is the hope of your life? And so that's what we've been talking through. Our passage that we have been is in 2 Chronicles chapter twenty. Uh, This is what we've been talking about over the last uh, three weeks. This will be the fourth week. And it's the story of King Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah. They're actually being attacked by three different enemies. They're coming to the area and they're going to position themselves to attack the nation of Judah. Well, Jehoshaphat, the king, he hears about this. And his response is not just to go in to get into a defensive posture, not to go and defend themselves against the enemy, but Jehoshaphat recognized, look, we don't have the power. We don't have the strength. We don't have the ability to defeat these enemies. The only one who can help us is God. So he calls the whole nation to prayer and fasting. And so the people follow Jehoshaphat, begin to pray and fast. And then God speaks through a prophet. And then that prophet begins to speak to the nation and tell them, look, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I got you. And basically, God says, I'm going to I'm going to defeat the enemy. You're not even going to have to draw a sword. You're not going to have to fight the battle. I'm going to fight the battle on your behalf. And then Jehoshaphat and the people march off, get into position. They begin to sing and worship. And as they sing, God brings confusion on the enemy, the enemy. Is defeated. So they experience victory in their life. And today I want to pick up in verse 15 of the story where we see God speaking uh, to Jehoshaphat and it says, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. So the prophet is speaking to the people, uh, speaking to the king. And so here's what he says. This is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. Some of you are afraid because you see the enemy of sickness. Maybe you're afraid and, and right now you've been paralyzed because of the coronavirus. You do not have the, the ability to get out of it. Maybe, maybe it's just your job. You, there's some uncertainty. It was stable at one position and one time, but now here it is. You're not sure. There's a fear that I may lose my job, a fear that I may get sick, a fear of the unknown. Look, don't be afraid is what he says. Don't be discouraged. This mighty army is nothing compared to God. Look, for the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord. And then look what it says in verse 16. Tomorrow, march out against them. So look, I want you to go out and face this enemy. And it says early. So this is their response. Early the next morning, the, mar- the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And this is what I want to spend some time on this morning. That word wilderness has been in my heart and in my mind and in my soul for the last several weeks. As as I've been preparing for this whole series, I just can't seem to get off of that word wilderness, wilderness. Isn't it interesting that God led them to march into the wilderness to experience their victory? They didn't go to an easy place A place of fruitfulness, a place of plenty and provision. They marched into a place of lack, a place that's hard. I mean, nobody wants to go into the wilderness. And so we see God leading them into the place that most people would never want to go. Why? Because God will lead you through the wilderness before leading you to the promise and some of you have been experiencing that hard place. Some of you have been experiencing a time where it seems like, God, have you forsaken me? Uh, what have I done wrong? I want you to know you haven't done anything wrong. In fact, if you're experiencing a wilderness season right now, I would venture to say you're probably doing everything right. That God leads us into a place of, of dryness, of testing. Uh, really, because that's what wildernesses are. They're, they're a place of testing. A testing place, a proving ground, a time when God tests, is it what you just say or, or are we going to actually do it? It's, it's a lot like product testing. You know, when we buy and purchase products, those products have been tested for reliability. They've been tested to see if they'll do what they actually say they will do. So if you have a watch and your watch says waterproof, waterproof. It's been tested in water, and now if it passed the test, it now has the label of a waterproof watch. Maybe you got a safe. We have a safe at the house, and the thing that was really important to us was that it was fireproof. Why? Because if there was ever a fire, I want to make sure I can get my birth certificates out of there, the social security cards, all the things that are important to us. I don't want them to burn up in the fire. Well, you can't say that safe is fireproof unless it's been tested. What about your car? Maybe you drive a car, truck, SUV, doesn't matter. Look, they test them before they actually get them in the market. How safe are they? Are they reliable? How's the performance? Will it do what it says it will do? And in our faith, I think as Christians, we can tend to think, well, God, I don't, I mean, I don't want to go through the wilderness. I, are you sure that He would lead me into the wilderness? I am because He wants us to be tested. If Jesus gets tested, how many know we're going to get tested? Look at what he says in Matthew. Jesus was led by the Spirit. I know some of you think you've been led into the wilderness by the devil, and the truth is, I would venture to say maybe it's not the devil. Maybe God has allowed you to walk into the wilderness, and look at what it says, to be tempted or tested by the devil that God was going to prove Jesus's uh, character and the lordship of his life in every area of his life. That's what testing does. Is it a quality product? And my concern for us in America is the American gospel. I believe the American gospel is a trap. I believe so many times we've heard this message that God wants to give you love and joy and peace and hope and all the things that we hear. And, and, and listen to me carefully. He does, but he gives you peace that passes understanding. Why would he say passes understanding? Because when I'm walking through a situation that seems like there's no reason to have peace, I can still have peace. That's why the world looks at me and says, what's going on with you? You're walking through this trial. You're walking in the wilderness and you've got peace. Most people don't have peace, but you do. That's the peace of God. The joy of God is not based on circumstance. So you can walk through a hard situation. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost your job, and yet you still have joy in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that situation or circumstance. And so we've got to take it into context that those things are, are benefits of being a Christian, but it's not why I've become a Christian. And the trap of that's the end all, it's not. We must know that we're going to walk through the challenges, the fire, and the wilderness process because there is no promise without the process. The process. And so many times we want to bypass the process that God has for our lives. We want to bypass it. But Look at what James actually says. James says, consider it pure joy. See, that's the joy that we were talking about. Brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, you say, I don't want to face trials. Well, Pastor, can you be more positive? (laughs) Yep. I'm positive that you're going to face trials. I'm positive that you're going to walk through a wilderness. And it's my job to make sure that you're ready when you face those trials, when you walk through the wilderness, so that your life will pass the test. He says of many kinds. He said, because you know that the testing, there's that word test, the testing, the proving of your faith produces some things. It produces some fruit in your life, produces perseverance, And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. See, that's where maturity comes in as a Christian. I'm going to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Why? Because you've been tested. You've matured. You've said, okay, God, I'm going to walk through this. and, And as you do, you come out mature and complete, not lacking anything. So I want to help you this morning. I want to talk about three tests that you'll face in the wilderness. And then at the end, I'm going to give you three ways to help you pass the test. And so first, let's talk about a test that I think every one of us experience in the wilderness. It's the test of lordship. Lordship. Well, what do you mean? That means who's really in control of your life? Who is the decision maker of your life? Who's the one that calls the shots? I I would say it even like this. Who is the one that wins when you don't agree with God? Right? You and God having an argument. You don't really agree. Uh, Who wins? Is it you or is it God? I think it's an important question that God forces us to answer in the wilderness. And I want to give you four areas where you can really see, God, who's the Lord of my life? I can evaluate my life. And it's not the only ways, but I thought it would be a good place for us to start. I think the first thing is in your time. How do you invest your time? Do you spend time with God first thing in the morning? Do you spend time with God at all throughout the day? Uh, Do you go to church is it just a when I can or is it a priority? God, I'm going to make the Sabbath, that Sunday, a priority. I'm never going to miss church. How do, I, how do I invest my time? Who's the Lord of my time? I think the second way is your talent. God created you with talents and gifts. We call them spiritual gifts. Things that you do that are easy, that others, they work really hard for. Look, that's not just something that you created yourself. God created you with that. And so you've got these talents. You've got these spiritual gifts. It's one of the reasons why I love Next Steps. You've never been to Next Steps. I want to encourage you, go to anchorben.com right now. You can join Next Steps by simply clicking on the link. And then we, we help you uncover your purpose, your design, how God created you, your giftings, your personality, because when you uncover your design, then your destiny is revealed. In other words, what God created me for, I begin to move forward in that path. So let me ask you, the gifts and the talents that God gave you, are you using them on yourself or do you invest them into the kingdom of God is He the Lord of your talents? Then of course treasure. This is the easiest por- portion for us to even evaluate. Someone said, "Oh, oh God, I- I've surrendered. He's the Lord of my life." Yeah, you just go and say, "Well, show me your bank account." Oh, pastor, ain't nobody needs to see my bank account. Well, well, the truth is, if He's the Lord of your treasure, then you're going to tithe. You're going to give him the first and the best, the the portion that belongs to him. And so we can easily see, God, are you the Lord of my treasure, of the resources that you bless me with? See, if you really believe that God gave you the ability to make money, God gave you the ability to be successful in your investments, then what you do is you say, God, the first portion belongs to you. It doesn't belong to me because I wouldn't have done it without you. That's the Lordship test. And then here's one that we don't often think about, but I think is really important, and that's relationships. And again, there's other areas, but I think this will give you a good sense of where God sits in the throne of your life. Now, relationships, listen to me, young people. Have you surrendered your relationships to God? Does God have first place? So in other words, that boy or that girl that you're dating, uh, is it a relationship that God's in the middle of it? that you've surrendered. You said, God, you have your way. If you want me to date on my will, if you don't, I won't. I remember when I was a young adult, uh, there was this girl, she was really cute and I really liked her and had friends hook us up on a first date. And so I thought, man, woo! I'm going out with this girl. She's cute. She's popular. Lots of Lots of guys want to go out with her, but she's going out with me. And here's the other deal. She's a Christian. She went to a different church, not the church that I went to, but that didn't matter. I was like, Ooh. we go out. We had a good time. We go back to her house and I'll never forget. We were in the, the, the parking lot or the driveway. We just turned into her driveway and we're sitting there. We got out of the car and we say, oh, it was such a good night. It was a great night. We're being cordial. And, and the question is, hey, do you want to go out Again. And as God is my witness, never had it happen before, but God spoke clearly to me, don't go out with her again. And I thought, now he didn't wasn't audible, but it was it was in my heart, my mind, which was I'd never heard it before. And I thought, well, OK. And so we're talking. I said, yes, let's go out again. So I hear the voice of God trying to lead me in one direction with the relationship. And yet I said the opposite. Well, lo and behold, we ended up dating for several years. And in that season, when I look back, I was lost. I was confused. I seemed to have a fog over my life. We went to church, but I couldn't connect with God. And I kept remembering myself, well, God, what's wrong? And one day God showed me, remember, I told you not to date this girl and we broke up. And as soon as we broke up, clarity came in my life. Some of you, you've not allowed God to be the Lord of your relationship. And you need to cut off some relationships just like I did. And thank God I did because of course I married pastor Phyllis. Come on. And so I, look at what I would have missed if I would have stayed with the direction that I wanted to go in instead of God. You got to make him the Lord of your relationships. This is what we say in Matthew. It says, but seek first his kingdom. Uh, That means the way God does it, the way God sets up his system. So we're going to say, God, your kingdom is more important and it's the priority of my life and your righteousness. Now, righteousness is right standing. That's a relationship. So God, I'm gonna seek first your kingdom the way you tell me to live. Some people say, God, how do you want me to live? I always just go back, back, read the Bible. It's full of instructions. And so God, I'm I'm gonna live the way you said to live in your Bible, in the word of God. And then I am going to have a right standing, a relationship with you. That's the priority of my life. And then Louis says, and then all these things will be given to you as well. The priority of putting God first. He is the Lord of my life. I trust him as my Lord. Oswald Chambers said it like this. Faith never knows where it's being led. Somebody like, but God, I'd let you be Lord, but you don't ever tell me where we're going. Look at what he says. But it loves and knows the one who's leading. So God, I don't have to know where you're leading me, but God, I do know you. And I know that you're a good God. And so I surrender my my life to you, I surrender my time to you, I surrender my talents, I surrender my treasure, I surrender my relationships, I surrender everything to you. You have ultimate veto power. The second test that the wilderness brings to us in our life is really the test of faithfulness. 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 Are you committed to what God's asked you to do? Faithfulness. God, will I continue to do that thing that you spoke to me to do? I cannot quit. I will not quit. Quitting is not an option. I am going to be faithful to what you have asked me to do. I'm not going to become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, I'm going to reap the harvest, the blessing, the reward if I don't give up. So I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. God, I choose to be faithful where you planted me. God, I'm not going to be weary in doing the thing that you've called me to. God, I choose to not give up, but to stay the course in my life. Look at the way Luke says. He says, one who is faithful. Everybody say faithful. Say it again. Let it sink in your heart. Faithful. In little is also faithful in much. Well, pastor, what do you mean? The faithfulness challenge, some of you think, well, that's the big rocks. It is, but really I'm talking about the little rocks, the things that we tend to neglect. See, you ask God, God, would you give me a job? God, would you help me get promoted? And he did. And part of that job is that you will show up at this time and you'll leave at this time, that you'll do this and not do that. And the problem is you show up whenever you want to. You leave whenever you want to. You know, you take things that you're not supposed to take. Maybe you got that pen. You ever felt convicted? Like that that ain't your pen. That belongs to the company that I work for. Will I be faithful? Will you do what's right when no one is watching? Will you stay faithful? Will you stay? God, it's the little things, it's the fidelity and the little things. Look at what it says. If then you have not been faithful, and then now he's gonna talk about the giving portion, because we talked earlier, that's the stewardship, that's the that's the lordship. It says faithful and unrighteous wealth. So that's money, that's resources, investments. Look, who will entrust you with true riches? True, so there's a faithfulness test that we have to be proven on. And look, it says, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, look at what he says, who will give you that which is your own? Some of you have been asking God, Lord, help me start this business. And God's like, I will, but I want you to work for this company and I want you to build that company like it's yours. I want you to invest in it. I want you to sow into it. I want you to go over and above and it has nothing to do with the company. You're like, well, they're not, they don't deserve my best. God's like, no, no, you don't work for people. You work for me. So when you begin to own that company as if it's your company, then one day I'll give you that promise, that dream, that desire, that ministry that I placed in your heart, but I'm not giving it to you until you prove. it. Faithful with that which is another's. It's a faithfulness test. It's a test that says, God, you can prove me and I will be faithful. Faithful. Look, there are no shortcuts through the wilderness, no shortcuts. I, if you're like me, I love shortcuts. I love Waze. If you, if you have that app, it's called Waze. If you don't have it, look, they ought to pay me for promoting it, but it's the greatest directional app because it always finds the quickest route. Now, the crazy thing is it'll have you going off on off ramps and back on and back in neighborhoods. You're like, Oh my God, are we going the right direction? But it'll save you the one, two, three minutes. I love it. I love shortcuts. I love things that are fast. I mean, I love microwaves. Come on, thank God for microwaves and pizza pockets and things that you can heat up quickly. I I I love it. I think I love digital downloads. I don't even go to Redbox for movies. Why? Because I don't want to go out there and have to drive and and then pick up a DVD and put it in the DVD player. I just want a digital download. I love it. I love the instant society that we live in. However, it's a love-hate situation because we begin to project instant that is something for convenience for our lives to this instant for spiritual. Nothing in spiritual things ever happens instantly. God is not a microwave God. There is no microwave quick fix Christianity. There is a process. There is this Moving through the wilderness, there is no shortcut to get out. You can't bypass the process to get to the promise. So, how do you get through it? You just got to prove faithful. And what I've seen in my life, it always takes longer, it's always harder, and it's always something that I never really expected and I just say, God, I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm going to be faithful. When when you begin to have a mentality, I'll do this for the rest of my life until Jesus comes back. I'm not changing. I'm not moving. I'm not shifting. I'm going to be faithful. When that happens in your heart, something solidifies. That's about the time where God says, okay, you're ready. Come on. I'm going to pull you out. You're ready because you've been faithful. The third test that we Find ourselves walking through in the wilderness is really the test of motives. 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 Well, Pastor, what's motive? Motive is really our heart. It exposes something that's unseen. It, it exposes the reason why it's it's really answered. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And that's what the wilderness does. It exposes your true motives. True motives. I mean, it's 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 the real why. It's because the challenge with behavior is you can't see the motive. You just simply see the behavior. But if you have a motive that's not right, it will produce something that's not godly. Though you were doing something that looked godly, remember the Bible says there's a form of godliness without the power. Why? because the motive is wrong. You could say something. I had someone, when we first started the church, they, they said, oh, pastor, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to get involved. It's about the first year we were as a church, so we're brand new, and I'm thinking, praise God. You know, we've got next steps, but they didn't go into next steps. They came and approached me, and I'm like, man, praise God. I, you know, man, let me think about it. What can I do? How can I serve, pastor? How can I serve? I said, well, let me just think about it. I came back, and I said, hey, you know, when we get to the movie theater, one of the things that we really need that I don't have anybody to help with is we need those bathrooms cleaned. Like, you know, I hate to even ask you, you know, I know, it, man, but it's the one area that I just, I don't have somebody. And you know what they actually told me? <laughs> oh, pastor, pastor, anybody can clean the bathrooms. Pastor, I'm a teacher. <laughs> and I thought, well, why don't you go teach those toilets? go scrub the floors, do all whatever you got to do, and you can just teach your little heart away because that's not what we need. What we needed was a servant who said, I'll do anything. I thought you said you'd do anything. And sometimes what we do is we say, God, I'll go do it. But then someone asks you to serve and you're like, no, I can't do it. That's, I'm called to do something else. Or maybe you're doing that thing. Maybe you did clean the toilets. Maybe you did go and do the outreach. Maybe you, you got up early. You're part of the Lilo team. I love our Dream Teamers. I, I'm so grateful for you. Everyone on the Dream Team, I can't wait to see you back next weekend. It's going to be like a family reunion. I've missed you. And so you're out there and you're serving. You maybe you're part of the cafe or part of the greeters or the ushers. But the challenge is you were doing it to get praise from people not doing it because God asked you to do it that you're a surrendered servant saying, God, I'm here to serve you. Because the problem with the wrong motive is if you don't get what you think you deserve, it'll begin to twist your heart. You'll begin to get bitter. You'll begin to get offended. And it produces a totally different fruit in your life. Whereas if you walk in there and your motive is, God, I'll do anything. I'll do everything. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I don't care if pastor sees me. I don't care if people see me. God, you saved me. You set me free. You delivered me. And because of your salvation that has come to my life, I will do anything, man, for the fruit that produces. It don't matter if people are offensive. It doesn't matter if if nobody acknowledged your service because I wasn't doing it for them anyway. I was doing it for God. What's happening is that your heart and your motives are being tested in the wilderness. And many times what I've seen, the very thing you crave, the feedback you crave, the accolades and the praise you crave, you will never get in the wilderness because God wants to expose and reveal your true motives. I'm going to show you a passage that has really haunted me over the years and i'm sure for many of you you could see this as well but it's something that for me as a believer it causes me to realize i could do the right thing with the wrong motive and and end up in the wrong place look it says many will say this is jesus speaking on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name did we not drive out demons Look, and perform many miracles. Well, I could stop right there because, I mean, I'm kind of convicted right there. You know, the prophecy and the driving out demons and the performing many miracles. Look, it says, then I'll tell them. Now he's saying what his response is going to be when they say these things. He said, I never knew you. We never had a relationship. We never had a connection. And it says, depart from me, you workers, Of lawlessness. And then he goes on and says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. So here we are hearing the word of God. Am I going to act on it? What about my motives? Look at what he says. He says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons? Did we not perform many miracles? So I've done all the right things. I've done what looks good to everybody else. I even demonstrated the power of God. And he said, look, I'll tell you plainly, look, I never knew you. I never knew you. Never had a relationship with you. And and we we didn't have that lordship, the test that I talked about at first. I was never the lord of your life. And it says, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. I mean, Think about that. Did all the right things, but I wonder what their motives were. See, when you demonstrate power, when you're walking in a place where God is moving, I mean, you know, sometimes the accolades can come back to you. Wow, you're so good. You're so, man, you're, man, I wish I could be a Christian just like you. And your motive begins to be, I like the praise of people. I like to have the authority. If you're a leader, you could say, man, I enjoy people reporting to me. But that's not really the motive. That's not the why. The why is that he's called us to be servants of all, that when we're in a place that He's walking us through that in the wilderness, my motive is right. I don't care if people see me. I don't care if people hear me. I don't care anything except for the fact that I do it for my Lord and Savior. And so we've got to check our motives. And look at what it says here in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? The motive, oh, Pastor, I got a pure heart. Well, I wonder if, if, if that's accurate. For me, many times I've said, God, help me see what I don't see. Look, the heart is deceitful. I think some of you are in a wilderness right now, and right now your motives are being tested. And so you say, But Pastor, I think it's good. I, I think my motives are always good. But here's what I found I can't see what I don't see. I, I saw a report the other day. Phyllis and I, we love to go cruising. Um, for, for me, I love it because as a man, I don't have to find the locations and do the directions. I don't have to worry about the logistics. We simply go on the cruise. They feed us. We get fat and fluffy. We can eat all day, every day. Uh, and then they just drop us off in a port. We go and have fun. We come back. And I just love it. And so I saw this investigative report and they were doing a report. It was an undercover investigation on how clean, are cruise ships really? Like, they, they look clean, they seem clean, but how clean are they really? And so they went into this cabin, and I remember watching, and I thought, man, that is a nice cabin for a cruise ship. I was like, well, that's really pretty nice. I'd enjoyed it. They panned the camera left to right, and you could see it. You had all the extra amenities. It wasn't just a a normal room. It was one of the suites. And I'm like, man, I would love to be in that room. And so then after they panned it, they said, this room looks great. It's one of the nicer rooms on this ship. And they began to talk about all the good things. But then they said, I wonder what's really here that we can't see. And I thought, well, that's a great question. Then they pull out this UV wand, That's right, they turned off the light, closed the curtains, you couldn't see, it was all dark, and they began to wave that UV wand, and oh my goodness, when I saw all the germs, everything that your eye could not see, things that were hidden to the natural eye were exposed under the light of that UV light. And that's where we have to understand. I think my motive is right, I think things are good, but I wonder if I'm able to pass the motive test. Now I have three things that I want to share with you that are going to help you pass the test, because that's my goal. My goal is to help each and every one of you pass the test that God brings to us in the wilderness. So the first one, to pass the lordship test, look look at what Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads to death. So look, there's a way that seems right. There's a way that I would go normally, but if I'm fully surrendered, remember, it's the lordship test. I've surrendered my life. So pastor, what is it that I need to know? You need to know this. Fully surrender your life. That means God, I give you control. I give you veto power. When we argue, you win. There is no argument. I come under your authority. And look, I got to believe that God's way is always right. I think we failed the lordship test many times. Because we don't really trust God. It doesn't make sense to us. It's a path that we wouldn't take normally on our own, but God's like, listen, I'm walking you through the wilderness. I don't want you to be stuck in the wilderness. I don't want you to stay where you're at. So if you'll trust me, I'll walk you through this wilderness. And so we got to say, God, your way is always right. Now, how do you pass the faithfulness test? The faithfulness test. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians. It says, but he said to me, now this is Paul speaking, and he's talking about God speaking to him. He had a thorn in his side. and He asked many times, God, would you remove this thorn? Would you? I I can't go on. It's too hard. It's too much. And look at what God says. My grace is sufficient for you, that my power is made perfect in weakness. And so we recognize that here we are in our faithfulness with God. God, I'm tired. Look, I want to speak to some of the dream teamers. You've been serving for years. You've been moving the vision of God forward in your life and in this church. I want to speak to some of you. Here we are, we're about to regather and there's a wrestling. God, do I go back to serving or do I pause? God, do I continue with what you said or do I stop? And I want to encourage you. The faithfulness test is not saying you're not tired. It's not saying that you, you don't get exhausted or weary or have other things. I think what we sometimes forget is... Serving God doesn't mean you don't have problems. It means, look, I've got something to live for that's greater than my problems. And there's times in life where you feel weak, where you feel weary, where you feel like I just can't keep going. I want you to know that is okay. That's the wilderness. But if I will rely on this and say, God, your grace is sufficient. Your power's made perfect in my weakness. Here's what you've got to say. I acknowledge my weakness. I acknowledge the fact that I can't go on. I acknowledge the fact that I'm exhausted, that I, that I feel like that there is nothing left to give. But God, I'm asking for your grace so that you can keep me strong. I don't want to have to go back to the wilderness. I don't want to fail this test, but I want to pass this test. And the only way is through your grace. The third test that I want to help you pass, the motives, motives. Look at what the psalmist says. In Psalms 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting. Search me. So God, I'm asking you to search me. I'm asking you to investigate me. I'm asking you to to tell me, is there anything in my life that doesn't please you, that doesn't line up with you? I love that. So what does that mean, Pastor? That means we're inviting the Holy Spirit. Illuminate my heart. Be that UV wand. Show me things that I didn't know that were there. And then once he shows us about the sin, the self-reliance, the motive, anything that doesn't please God, now all we have to do is we repent of that sin. I've recognized in my life, in my Christian walk, and I hope many of you will know this and come to experience it yourself, you can't fix yourself. No matter how hard you try, that's religion. But what I can do, is I can repent. And what repentance is, God, I was going in this direction. I had a wrong motive. My my focus was wrong. Whatever it is that God exposes and you say, but God, now I'm changing that. I recognize this was a sin and God, I'm asking you for your grace. I'm moving forward. I don't want to live for people's praise. I want to live for your praise. I don't want to live for people to speak good and affirmation. God, I want your affirmation. That's good and that's great, but I don't need it because that's not my motive. You saved me. You set me free and God I choose to let my motive be one of a servant and I am here to serve you